Hey, everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lonnen. And this is Volume Up by the T's. Hey, Jeff, happy to be here today. How was your weekend? Another COVID amazing. weekend. I mean, not amazing because of COVID. Amazing <laughs> because of COVID, though. So, right. you know, I mean, we're doing our best out here. Uh, I'm in LA. LA's a mess. Absolutely. No if ands, or buts about that. Wisconsin. Still a mess. Equally a mess. Equally a mess. Yeah. So, so there's that. Living our best mess. <laughs> <laughs> The year's almost over. But don't you feel like you're kind of like waiting for something? Yeah. Like I don't I mean, really know what, like we're going towards something, but then every day is just kind of the same. So absolutely. The whole news of like vaccine being rolled out yeah. is great and exciting. That is like light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but it's also a long tunnel that we got to get to. Yeah, I is. did the New York Times, like what number mm-hmm. in line are you? And for- oh. Yeah, it's you should try it out. Great okay. thing. You should go to the tease.com, but you should also go to this on the New York <laughs> Times. I, based on my health and age and all of that stuff, yeah. was 30 million people in front of me. Oh, I mean, that's so, good. It's great. But, it's great. But I mean. Okay, I'll see where I stack up. I'm a couple <laughs> years older than you, so I feel like maybe I might be a couple people ahead of you. I don't know. Maybe, but I still feel, I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be up there. It's crazy. So I'm excited. Yeah. I also was reading this might have, it was some study published from academia that said news of the vaccine is good from an, the economy perspective because it gives us benchmarks to know when in structure to know when the economy could potentially re- rebound based on mm-hmm. the number and percentage of people vaccinated. And I thought that was kind of an interesting like sigh of relief. You're like, oh, okay, we have some direction versus the last like 10 months. We didn't really know. So if you haven't yet, check out last week's pod featuring the Sam Via. Again, he's magnetic. He's energetic. He was fantastic. And I feel really honored that he spent an hour with me. Yeah, no, incredible. He's an icon. Uh, Couldn't get much better than that. So definitely check it out if you haven't. And if you liked last week's episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease. And send questions, comments, things that you're thinking about to volume up at thetease.com. On today's episode, I interview Leslie Roasty, BSN RN from Bluco Brands, the makers of Barbicide. It's so important today for us to connect with health and safety professionals, and 2020 has certainly highlighted that. You guys are in for a treat of an interview. We cover so many things. She's so incredibly smart, has a lot to say about her own background and what we can be doing uh, as an industry. Buckle up. And how innovative of Bluco brands to have a BSN and an RN on staff from like a infectious control safety profession. I mean, that's kudos to them. It's pretty forward. Absolutely. No, I mean, she and I talk a lot about how this wasn't what she thought she was going to be doing, but there's so many reasons that it makes sense that she is. Um, And we're lucky to have her as an industry that we think that you guys are really going to like the interview. And if you don't see a jar with the blue liquid inside... (laughs) What are you doing? You should swiftly turn back around and exit the salon. <laughs> and I, yes. yeah, I'm excited to hear what she has to say. So, yep. And so many different initiatives that she's going to talk about that we will link to in the show notes. So be sure to check it out. Awesome. So before we get to that, what what's exciting you right now? Any bones to pick, Jeffrey? Let's hear it. So at the moment, I'm watching Selena, the series uh, I knew on Netflix. You would be. Yep, I knew it. I know. Um, and I'm 
So I made the mistake of looking into a little bit of the, the criticism, which is totally valid. Right. Um, and so that tempered my expectations mm-hmm. going in. Mm-hmm. I should have just gone in and been like, what is this? Um, yeah. And so I can't really determine if it's good or bad All as right. I watch. And that's mm-hmm. tough, you know, where you don't know how you're coming down on. Yeah, no, it, it'd be like watching, you know, listening to the news and understanding like which bachelor got sent home before you watch that episode. You're like, mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. I still want to watch it. Yep. Yep. But, but I kind of know. Do I need to. Yeah. 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 This yeah. is not valid. <laughs> yeah. I think like the the lead actress that plays Elena is great. Okay. Like, there's criticisms of whitewashing and that mm-hmm. is also very valid but like the performance mm-hmm. I think is is there there's some teeth acting which is a lot of what I saw but but she's good the okay. wigs are bad that's the the no. disappointing thing Why? So, I mean it's 2020 we had all the time in the world to do the yeah. research and get those wigs right um plenty of but, time I mean, that's why we're watching it we want to look at the hair yep. I want to look at the hair Especially because it's a period piece, like 90s are all back, yeah. like she was known for the main. Um, anyway, that's what I'm watching. Okay. I'm not full. I'm not like fully through. Once I'm done, I'll report back. But but yeah, that's right. where we're at. What all about right. you? What are you up to? You know, I've got a couple things. <laughs> First one is <laughs> they stick on the TV sort of rant. Did you see that Jessica Simpson is going to have a fictionalized TV series based on her life in the 20s? And I was fully present for all of those moments in her twenties. And it's interesting because her and Nick, what was it? Newlyweds? Remember? Oh, I sure do. It was kind of like one of the first reality TV shows. And it was like, what? Okay. So that, and then every time I look at a can of tuna, there was an episode where she thought chicken of the sea meant that it was um, chicken in the can. Famously. it was tuna. So I, that has stuck with me. <laughs> it was tuna. <laughs> if you can believe it. So every time I, you know, thank you to Jessica Simpson for a lot of memories and a lot of laughs. So I'm, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I'll watch it. I will mm-hmm. too. I mean like that trajectory, her career of like, yeah, pop star, uh, then reality TV star, actress question mark. And then like, <laughs> shoe empire mobile i know i know i when she was in her prime i was also in mine so it's super i'm super relatable to her (laughs) one could argue that you're both in your prime um i mean she's got a a tv project that's happening um the book did you read her memoir i did not so (laughs) i've heard about it it's apparently quite juicy she does not hold back so right. maybe that's what we do. A special episode where we peel through yeah, Jessica book Simpson's. Clubs. Yeah. Book club, <laughs> Jeffrey and Kelly. Exactly what you guys want. We know, we yeah. know for sure. For sure. That's what you're looking for from us. <laughs> what but about yeah, you? Anything else? I mean, what's happening? Is it just, you know. What isn't happening? Um, mm-hmm. So another thing that I'm sort of like obsessing about is Miley Cyrus. The tease mm-hmm. extensively covers via the Instagram her mullet because the mullet is incredible. Sally Hirschberger. Oh, come on. I mean, like, it's, <laughs> it's just kiss. The mullet is, <laughs> I mean, 2020 is the year of the mullet. So anyway. If you're going to do it, this is the year. I mean, I'm not going to do it, but <laughs> <laughs> I would love so much for you to do it, but you've got a lot to grow out. Like, yeah, I, I don't have, I don't have nearly enough hair for that. Yeah, um, <laughs> but, but I, I'm not against it. I mean, 2020, let's do it. 2021, mm-hmm. like maybe that's the goal. Um, anyway, what 
you had something to say about Miley yeah, Cyrus. I yeah, I mean, in a brilliant marketing move yet again by Chipotle, they said that if Miley would comment on one of their posts on social, that they would name a burrito after her. And so she said she did it, which I thought was pretty cool of her. I mean, she's random. Um, and she said, I'm only going to do it if you name it. The guac is extra, but so is Miley burrito. So you can order it. And are you oh. curious what's in it? I absolutely, I need to know every single, so obviously there's guac, but. There's guac. And the irony of all of this is the guac actually isn't extra because it's a vegetarian burrito and it comes. Wow. Miley, good looking out. (laughs) But what else is, so it's vegetarian. Vegetarian, like the fajita, you know, mix, cheese. I believe rice was in there and then the guac. So now we know what she orders and you can actually, you know order the um guac is extra but so is miley burrito and i would love to hear those words come out of your mouth at chipotle so would i (laughs) i mean whether or not chipotle is open to accept order in person separate issue but i I might have to postmate that honestly just because number one it sounds good but then also to see if it's actual life i i don't know yeah obviously (laughs) yep yep for sure Well, we, you know, speaking of Christmas, you know, my husband's like, what should we do this coming weekend? And we're like, well, I don't know. And so we like most, I could assume married couples got the big KitchenAid mixer for their wedding. Ours is still in the box. Um, Care to explain? (laughs) (laughs) Making us too many instructions that need to be precise. I don't mm-hmm. like to read instructions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like to wing so, it. <laughs> yes. That doesn't really work with baking, cooking, maybe no. baking. No. So it's still in there. And he was just looking for a reason to bust that red Cuisinart giant mixer out. So we're going to mm-hmm. bake cookies from scratch. And I don't know, I'll maybe start having a cocktail in the afternoon when that begins. I, as you should, <laughs> whether or not it were stressful, you should definitely do that. Um, so the, the mixer is red. It's red. Mm-hmm. Surprising. I know. I feel like it should be black. Yeah. Mine's black. <laughs> what? It is. Yeah. Okay. And what do you use yours for? Uh, <laughs> is it still in the box? Do, no, no, it's not. It's out of the box, <laughs> but it's not for anything that I've done. Um, I'm very, I, I don't bake. I can't, I can't okay. be bothered to, it, it's too complicated. Same. Same. I can open up a like tube of Pillsbury. Yeah, just yeah. Yeah. Speaking of every time, <laughs> oh man, every time you open up those Pillsbury, do you not almost have a heart attack Absolutely. knowing that it's pressing it's, the spoon to the seam is the single most stressful thing. I mean, like there are obviously other stressful, but yes, oh right. it's it's horrible. It and you know it's the anticipation, like you I'm gonna press a little harder now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Not quite. It's worse than a champagne bottle. Yep. (laughs) It's a thousand. It's yeah. Why is that so anxiety ridden? I feel like Pillsbury needs to do some sort of like marketing campaign or like how to, how to break down the fear of of the. (laughs) No, these are the things I think about when I'm cooking, like, because sometimes just I, the spoon scares me a little bit. So I smack it on the the corner of the counter. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, why not? <laughs> I've tried it all. Yeah, no, it's it's like a universal fear, I think. That's like it deeply is. subconscious embedded in there. That's... It is. 
good, good luck baking. Congrats <laughs> yeah. to everybody that's out there trying to make it work. Take away. Like when the bread trend was in, th- happening with COVID, I was like, get out of town. Do not it's identify. More than COVID yep. for me to bake bread. Yep. No, I mean, people <laughs> with like the cultures or like whatever the hell, like the oh, starter. Like, a- n- no, 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 no. Don't come to me with that. No, no. I- I'm trying to keep businesses in business. I'm going to go and buy a piece of a loaf of bread from around the corner. (laughs) Hey, do you remember that Sesame Street episode where it was the mom telling the son, can you go to the corner and buy a loaf of bread, a carton of milk, and a stick of butter? Do you recall that from your childhood? It It sounded vaguely familiar, but... It was absolutely one of my favorites, and it's kind of like a joke when we go to the grocery store with my mom and brother, so... Mm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway so i mean there's so many things happening in the world there's also so many things happening on the tease.com our editorial team as per usual has been hard at work this week every week uncovering industry news diving into brands you need to know about that you maybe don't but you definitely should uh and here are our favorite headlines from the tease.com this week first up the tease tours Ooh. a new segment that we've got going on the site, we are touring different salons and barbershops across the U.S. First up is Barbara and Barbara in the Chicago area. Got to go check it out. Tons of photos to see what they're up to. Super cool, progressive salon space um, that has not been negatively impacted in the same way because it's in Chicago and not in California where I am, where things are closing down. But check it out. There's going to be more to come. We're super excited about this series. Um, and yeah, let us know what you guys think. Yeah, and if you want us to do, maybe take a look at touring yours, the Tease team would love to do that. Send us an email here oh. at volumeup at thetease.com. <laughs> because we're checking them and we're yep. waiting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you? What are you liking on the site right now? You know, I love I love a good, little, good gift guide roundup listicle. Mm-hmm. And so I did like the 10 amazing gifts your hairstylist friends will love. And perhaps my favorite one um, were those gosh darn classic rhinestone bobby pins. I love them so much. I don't know if I could pull them <laughs> off. <laughs> you know, okay. I really do enjoy looking at people with them in. And um, yeah, so that it's that. You know, I've always been like, you know, the, the Dyson is always up on the high, up high on the list. Mm-hmm. I haven't broke down and bought and bought a Dyson hair dryer yet? Have you? Do you have one? I I have not. I mm-hmm. I don't have. You yeah, you don't. See. Your, I don't have you, a, your hair would dry very quick. It was in the air. <laughs> <laughs> like an air blade would do nothing. It would. It's gone. Yeah, there's there's hardly anything to dry. All right, um, all right, but I do. You know, I'm impacted by the branding. There's yeah. a few other folks out there that make very nice, high quality appliances that are not nearly as expensive. But the Dyson. The Dyson, yeah. The cloud, you got to get it. Plenty of more gift guides to come on the tease.com too. I love so it. stay tuned. There's lots of things across hair and beauty. And check it out. There's something for everybody, basically, which is exciting. Different price points, the works. <laughs> I have got to say, though, the one thing that I'm very excited about is beauty specific. Nothing to do with hair. Okay. Everything to do with Versed, which is a mm-hmm. clean skin care sometimes beauty line okay um, that's available through target also uh, d2c um, check it out they've got a new product which is an antioxidant oil serum oh. 
So they're in on that whole mixture thing. Um, basically, all of their products are incredible. We go into on the site what this is, why you should care about the mixture of the serum and the oil. Um, and I have been converted. I've ordered mine. Oh, when it comes, I'll test it out. But yeah, Ooh. check it out. Wait, and their packaging is. Yep, it's incredible. Like mostly repurposed, recycled, all of that good stuff. All the things you want in a brand these days. Yeah. They're they're doing the damn thing. So All right, first team, we see you, we hear you. <laughs> Send us an email at volume up at the <laughs> We'd love to hear about you. But seriously, I mean, it's like what I, my wife, all of our editors, we all have first stuff. As always, so much going on. Yes. Thank you to our hardworking editors. They're killing it. Always, every day on the tease.com. We are so proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about, especially at the holidays. Yeah, especially the holidays. So, you know, to round this out, I'm literally so excited to hear what you have to say with Leslie and take it a couple layers deeper, right? Not just this is a great product, everybody needs it, but let's talk about the innovative programs they have coming up because that's our mission at the Tease. Yeah, no, so smart. Um, really, really lucky to have had some time to connect with her. Such a like really strong background in infection control and safety. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think like couldn't be more relevant to the times that we're living in, um, particularly, you know, when we talked, uh, things were not shutting down as they are now. Um, mm -hmm. But we sort of knew that it was in the works and it's likely that more of those are going to be happening across the states. And I mean, she talks about all sorts of things that are available to salon pros to brush up on you know, certification and continuing ed um, to show and demonstrate, you know, how seriously they take hygiene um, and infection control. So yeah, incredible combo. Um, and again, as we said, take a look at the show notes. We've got tons of links there for all sorts of different resources. Uh, yeah, just thanks so much to Leslie for coming on and chatting with us. Hi, Leslie. Thank you for joining us today. We are so, so happy to be chatting with you on the podcast. Nice to, nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I, I was just thinking, hey, who have I not spoken to yet? So, and it's us. Here, and here let's do go. it. <laughs> Amazing. Today on the podcast, we are interviewing Leslie Roasty, RN, BSN, National Director of Education and Industry Relations for Blue Coat Brands, the makers of Barbicide. After leaving nursing, she began working in the professional beauty industry as a subject matter expert on infection control and public safety. As a national director of education for Blue Co Brands Barbicide, she's worked with licensing boards, education curriculum, and many other aspects that affect the health of salon pros and their clients. Leslie, let's get into it. All right, I'm ready. So we're familiar with brand teams, development teams, salon teams, education teams, but we've never had the opportunity to interview someone whose role is as quite as unique as yours. How did you come to Blue Co on Barbicide? So long route. Um, I'm constantly telling my children and other people's children the story that you just, you know, when a door opens, if long you're not going to hurt yourself or somebody else, take the chance, right? And um, I was educated as um, a nurse. I actually had degrees in nursing and microbiology. And um, when I I got to a point in my career with nursing where I was interested in going out and doing something a little bit bigger. And I was hired by a company that did an RFID application in hospitals at where I met the president who is now the president of Blue Co Brands. And about 10 years ago, he said, please come work for me. And I said, what in the world would I have to say to the beauty industry? I don't access it very frequently. 
Like I have the most boring makeup, hair, all those things that I'm going to get done. I just don't even hardly do. And so I thought, well, what's my message here? But I was at a place in my life where I wanted a new challenge. I really wanted to make a difference. That was really important to me. And so I started out little. I started going and um, doing, uh, talking to schools, talking to students, starting to understand how this industry really works. And I got really intrigued. So I ended up coming on full time. Um, I'll be 11 years in this job, um, January 1st. And um, I really just dug right in. I tried to understand why this industry had kind of fallen behind on the health and public safety aspect and how that really intersected with what was happening about, started happening about five years ago in the industry, which was the push for deregulation. And so about the time we started seeing all these deregulation bills start to pile up in every single state, I started thinking, okay, this is the time where what I have to say is kind of important. How do we put together for, let's say, a legislator whose only experience with the beauty industry may be, and I'm going to be kind of, uh, I'm kind of, I'm going to say something that sounds, it's, it's accurate, um, but it's typically men who are our legislators still today. And so their only experience may be their wife going to get her hair done or get her nails done. And they don't understand why the importance of uh, licensing is there. So it's been a weird route that I got here. I've written for the textbooks for both the major textbook lines in this industry. Um, I've helped better than 30 states write their rules or um, revise their rules on infection control and safety. I've testified in states um, on sunset review um, proceedings. It's been a weird ride, but um, I've been able to leverage what I know about the human body and health and public safety and try to have a message that can be heard not only by the professional, but also by the state, um, by states that maybe make rules that don't really make that much sense to me. And I'm, I'm not afraid to tell them, hey, that rule is kind of dumb. It doesn't make sense. Why do you have that stupid rule? <laughs> um, because I think stylists sometimes are stuck in a pinch of bad rules and they're trying to follow bad rules. And sometimes it's the expense of the good things that they should be doing. So that's that's why I'm here and how I got here. And I had someone say to me in an earlier podcast back in maybe March, who would have guessed 10 years ago that we'd be here? And I was like, I would have. I've been telling you we'll be there. I've been saying it for years. And so I'm not excited that COVID is here, but I am glad to see that the message is actually starting to resonate. So let's kind of jump into that exactly. I mean, COVID-19 has rocked industries across the U.S. and certainly the world, um, but high-touch businesses in particular, so salons and their suppliers, they're really struggling. Yeah. How has Blue Co. Barberside supported the salon pro industry throughout the, the pandemic? So one of the things that everyone who's listening to this is probably familiar with is we've had some supply chain problems all along. And we're not alone in that. I mean, when Clorox has supply chain problems, you know, everybody else is going to have it. Right. And so there have been, you know, a lot of frustration by people who at the time when it was uh, reopening, let's say for the first time, um, some people have reopened more than once, um, the inability to find the products that they needed to reopen based on the guidelines that their state um, imposed um, overriding their rules. So I acknowledge right up front that there have been supply chain problems, but those supply chain problems are starting to be in our rearview mirror, which makes me delighted. But early on when pandemic started, we really sat down and put our heads together and said, what can we do to still benefit this industry? And I have been given like such a blessing to have this job because I don't just sell anything. I go out and I tell people, 
why they should do the right thing, what the right thing is to do. I tell a state how it can have an improved relationship with their licensees by having right, the right rules and having them make sense. So I've always had that kind of luxury of just going out and really just teaching. What I, the part I loved about nursing, just teaching people like, how does this really work and what's a simple way to do it? So um, what we did early on, we've always had pharmacy certification uh, on our website, not always, seven, last seven years, free of charge, um, go on. It takes about 40 minutes. There's a video and a quiz. And honestly, it was designed for students because there's only one of me. I couldn't be everywhere. I had hundreds of schools asking me to come and speak and I was running out of bandwidth, right, very quickly. And so we developed this as a way that um, educators in the professional beauty and barbering industry could go and send their students out to do this and really get the basics. Well, what we found was um, in March, there were days where we were having 10,000 people a day take the barbicide certification. And the message to me loud and clear was these are licensees who presume they've been doing it right, who presume that they learned it right, but gosh, you know what? Don't I just want to make sure? And don't I want a certificate that I can hang up in my salon or my barbershop to demonstrate that even if I forgot some of the nuances of it, I've gone back and re-educated myself. So that was just going crazy. And by the, you know, as luck would have it, we had launched a new website in February. So we had the bandwidth to be able to accommodate 10,000 people a day coming to our website and taking it, which we would not have had uh, two months earlier. So then we made the decision to do the Barbara's, the COVID-19 certification and the COVID-19 certification launched on March the 5th in the first month or the first week, we had over 300,000 people take it in one week. And so it was, um, it reaffirmed to me how important this education really was. Like people mm-hmm. wanted to learn. So as the pandemic has rolled on, we've come up with some other great education ideas. All of them are going to be free, um, including some continuing education. But also I started flipping the mic on people, so to speak. And I got so sick of being interviewed. I started interviewing people. <laughs> so I would go out and find these really interesting people in the industry and do what you're doing. I would just interview them and be like, tell me about your job. Tell me what you do. Tell me how you got here. And it's really taken off. I interviewed my husband. He's a therapist about mental health during COVID. And he got like 15,000 views in the first two weeks on YouTube. And I said, well, here's what I said. People just want to know who, who was dumb enough to marry me because I'm so Uh, bossy. (laughs) So, um, but I think you know, I've had, it's been one of the blessings of COVID really to be able to do these different things. So with COVID-19 spiking again in the U.S. or continuing to spike, depending upon how you want to look at things, um, how can pros sort of re-engage safety protocols? Where can they go? What ought they do in order to operate safely, uh, particularly with the threat of lockdowns and stay-at-home orders sort of newly emerging? So I think one of the takeaways that I find very encouraging for this industry is that as we go into this really, uh, actually a bigger wave than we had the first time around, it it seemed so big the first time because it was so new. This, I I perceive this winter is going to be much more, um, because it's going to affect the whole United States. It's not going to just be, you know, stuck in New York City. It's going to be Mm -hmm. the whole United States. But the one positive takeaway I really have is that a lot of states, as they talk about closing down again, as they start talking about closing, you know, closure orders, the one place they're not closing anymore is salons and barbershops. Mm-hmm. 
they are allowing those to stay open because I think what happened was people took stock. You know, what I said in early podcast was do not tell someone you are going to give them a safe service. Quit saying that because I know by the simple fact that you're standing right behind me for an hour, it's not safe. I know yep. that even with yep. your mask on, I get it. Right. <laughs> and so quit saying that. But what I want you to say, I went to cosmetology school and I learned a skill set that will make this as safe as possible. I, if I can't make it hundred percent safe, I'm going to make it as safe as possible. And that's why I went to school. And that's why I have a license by doing that. We can get states who are facing deregulation to be able to say, Hey, going to school and having a license was worthwhile. Look at what they were able to do. They all went home and brushed up, studied up, made sure they had the right equipment. And now we are going into a second wave and we don't feel the need to close them again. Very impressive, I think. So keep doing really what well you're done. doing, is what I would say. <laughs> Wash your hands. Yeah, but quit disinfecting your chairs. That's the most common question I get. And I'm like, you're gonna destroy your chairs. Stop doing that. <laughs> So, not meant to be disinfected not, not that way. Disinfected. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, so related to that, I mean, you talked about sort of as safe as things can be, knowing that right. at a certain level, it's not terribly safe. Um, again, safe as it can be. Social media, we're constantly bombarded with sort of memories that pop up through different platforms that remind us of like, oh, this concert or this event that I went to a year ago now we're seeing that people are not wearing masks in those. And it feels weird now because we're so accustomed right. to mask wearing and all of that stuff. Uh, what do you think that the salon experience is gonna be like as we move hopefully past this second slash third wave, again, depending upon how you're looking at stuff? Well, to be honest with you, I think we've gotten as much um, adherence to the, 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 the ideas of mask wearing and not, you know, not shaking hands, washing your hands, all of those things. I think, you know, there's a certain segment of the population that's just not going to ever buy into that mm -hmm. or um, is going to feel like it might not apply to them. So I think we've kind of come to a place where we're, we're sort of at a, um, the people that are going to do what, what needs to be done are doing it. And then there's going to be people that are just either going to have to learn by fire, by getting sick or maybe they'll never get sick. I, I don't wish that on anybody. I mean, I will share something with your audience that, um, look, I had COVID-19. I did everything right. And my husband brought it home from work and mm -hmm. we both ended up very, very sick. So, you know, to me, if you choose not to wear a mask, I, I, you know, I pray you don't get it. It was horrible. So I think what will happen as we, I think there will be things that will stay in place. For example, I think scheduled services will stay in place. For those parts of the industry, um, mostly we're talking about nails and barbering where scheduling wasn't always a thing. You could come and sit in a waiting room yep. and get your hair cut or get your nails done. I think that will go away. I think states will make those permanent rules that these are scheduled type services just to sort of gatekeep on that. So I think that will change permanently. I think we will also see <laughs> that the design of a salon will change permanently, how things are spread out because what we now know is COVID may go away. We may get an, in, in a vaccination and it may go away, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean something else doesn't come tomorrow, right? Yep. And so I think we will see some of those things change. I think disinfection or infection control, health and public safety, we already had the right bones, right? We were already mm -hmm. doing the right thing. We were cleaning and disinfecting our 
hard non-porous implements and surfaces. We were putting things into place with that, that, um, that, that doesn't need to change, right? Because there's nothing, I mean, I, I hear of all these magical things like a spray that can last for three months or a UV light that can blast everything. Right now in, in the beauty industry, you know, what they were doing was actually sufficient. It's just mm -hmm. adding the mask and the spacing, the appointment and, you know, like reducing double bookings, that kind of thing. I think those things will all change permanently. So in your role as director of education and working with state boards, as you sort of alluded to, um, and noting that there's been quite a lot of deregulation across the states, um, what do you think is going to be codified moving forward? I mean, you sort of just talked about perhaps the scheduling, for example, that that might be something that, you know, be taken up across the board. What are other things that you would suggest or that you maybe would like to see uh, more states take up? So one of the things that is really interesting to me about this industry is this desire, I come from nursing, right? So in mm -hmm. nursing, if I'm a nurse in Kansas City, which happens to be where I live, and I pick up and I decide to move to Denver, Colorado, or New York, or Guam for that matter, mm -hmm. nursing's nursing, right? I mean, there are certain things you do, illnesses tend, tend to be, I mean, there's obviously some, you know, a little bit of geographical differences, but for the most part, being a nurse is, is similar from state to state, right? And so the rules are similar from state to state. It is shocking to me how diverse the rules are in the cosmetology industry. I, I was shocked when I first started this job to find that there was a chemical being made for disinfection that was required in 12 states, but against the law to even have it in two. I'm like, how much sense does that make, right? So it's really been my goal to get some continuity in the rules around infection control because quite frankly, bugs are the same everywhere. Infection control is the same everywhere. If the states wanna have sovereignty on how many hours they require or whether they have apprenticeships, right on. But around this stuff, it should be the same. So to that end, I've actually written a document of sample language for everything you can think of from getting your eyebrows waxed to full body waxes to everything in between. And um, most of the states have taken you know, parts of that and cut and pasted it. So the language just starts to look the same it starts to be more standard. I would hope they would include in those rules if they do and go anybody goes into rulemaking in the next you know year or so and adds new rules. I would like to see rules. Um, I, there's rules I'd like to add and rules I'd like to get rid of. I'd like to make your life easier yep. um, by taking away some of the nonsense rules that are out there. And there's a lot of them that just, I, I, I say to people, wait, why? Like, why? That doesn't make sense to me. Why are, why are you saying that thing? Like my favorite one is an extra. I don't understand that rule. I understand it because you don't want to get a chemical up against me. But if what you're saying is that's a that's going to be your guardian against all kinds of funguses and bacteria, it's a piece of tissue paper and it's a wet piece of tissue paper. So there might be a better way to address if you are fearful. Uh, you know, so those kinds of rules, I'm really blunt with states, and I just say, get rid of that rule. Make a rule that makes sense. Make a rule. Don't tell someone their washing machine has to be 145 degrees for 15 minutes. Nobody knows what temperature their washing machine gets to or for how long it stays that way. So um, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with states and I think there will be some new things, but mostly it'll, it will come around scheduling and um, spacing. Just, they'll probably have more physical requirements. I will say one thing I, what, I am going to tell you because I, I don't know where we're going to go on time, but um, something that just came about today that just came, we started it in, in uh, May. And um, 
we started what was called the Barberside Safe Service Salon Finder, I think it is. I can't remember. Um, we started in May and we had um, over 300 salons sign up in the first week. And basically they signed a contract of sorts that said, we agree to adhere to all of these principles, uh, the, you know, these 20 things that we will always do in our salon. And it allowed them to um, post that they had a certification um, as a Barberside Safe Certified Salon but it also puts an indicator, uh, a um, finder on our website. So if a client who is concerned about safety wants to go and look it up, they also could go and put in their zip code and find a salon or a barbershop that has that um, certification. We in the first um, 300 had over 50 from other countries that signed up to do it. But the problem was we ran into supply chain issues right about the same time. And we didn't feel good about having people pay to have, um, or not pay to have, but, you know, go to have a service that says there's barbicide being used when there wasn't barbicide even available or requiring it to somebody. So um, we feel like we're at a good enough place in the supply chain now. So starting, I believe next Monday, that's going to go live on our site again. And we'll be publicizing that out um, to people. And, but you'll be the first, you're the first one to know. Incredible. So, Amazing. Congrats. Yeah. Um, good it's to a hear. Way to, it's things- a way to bring the consumer into, into the piece, right? Because I have said multiple times, it's not just enough to open your salon. That's not enough. Your consumer has to feel comfortable coming, right? Like yep. Yep. you can open, but if they're not comfortable showing up, then, you know, then you don't have, you still don't have business. So yep. Another, just another avenue to make them feel comfortable. Well put. It took me quite a while to go into the barbershop for the first time. After, again, knowing that all of these protocols were in place here in LA, it took forever for them to open anyway. Um, But still, I had that like sort of hang up. And so I feel like to your point, yeah, as a consumer, I'd love to know that my shop is certified in this way. I actually went back to my, my salon. And they, I could reach out and touch people on both sides of me. And they were kind of lazy about their mask wearing. And I ended up not going back. And I now go there to a solo salon, you know, a suite where it's just me and one other person. And I only have to count on seriously. that person to be safe, you know? So mm-hmm. that, I, to your point and mine both, it's uncomfortable. You mm-hmm. know, it's not safe. All right. A bit of a pivot from COVID. Um, again, you've talked so much about the experience that you've had in terms of working with different states and with different organizations. You're writing textbooks for gosh sake. Um, in particular, it's been brought to our attention um, in doing a lot of prep that you've worked with Pivot Point um, in terms of developing their curriculum. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that challenge. I mean, Pivot Point is enormous. Um, yeah. What was that like? So um, <laughs> when I was first approached to even look at a textbook and do some editing, it's kind of a funny story. It was not Pivot Point, but another another textbook. And they this was years and years ago. This was probably nine years ago. They sent me a, a chapter and I, I, I was so frustrated. I was like, none of this is right. This is driving me crazy. <laughs> and I said to the, I guess, editor, whoever I was working with, I said, I, I just can't stand this. I want to get out my red pen and just like, you know, rewrite the whole thing. Pick it up. Yep. Yeah. Which he said, go ahead and put it in an envelope and mail it to me. And I said, all right. And about a week later, the author of the textbook called me and said, hey, I got your edits. So it was kind of embarrassing. I kind of, you know, trial by fire. But one thing I recognize is that I think that the textbook manufacturers recognize that, you know, the curriculum providers, they recognize that um, this may not be being um, introduced to the students in a learnable fashion. 
<laughs> and may not be being introduced in a way that they can really walk away knowing what they're supposed to do. There's so much, like, for example, I would love, I, I advocated when I first went to meet with Kevin, like, please, please, can we get rid of the anatomy and physiology chapter? Can we just ax it completely? Because I don't think it makes you a safer stylist if you know the names of all the bones in the human body or if you know the names of all the muscles. It makes you safer if you know how a muscle works and how to work safely around it. Mm-hmm. But that gets lost in memorizing all the names. And most nurses I know couldn't tell you half the bones in the human body or the muscles, right? It's the areas they work in, right? So yep. please get rid of that chapter. And while you're working through the textbook, if there's an area, let's say we're talking about facial massage. Okay, now I might talk about some of the muscles around the eyes. I might actually throw their name in there. But even when I have worked with state board exam providers, you know, the content creators, I have said, if you ask one memorization question on this test, I'm going to lose my mind because it doesn't help them to memorize the name of a muscle, but it does help them to understand, hey, I should be sending someone to a physician to look at this, right? That kind of thing. So working with Pivot Point was kind of a great experience at the same time, a little overwhelming because it's so big. Um, Yep. But it was a great experience in that I think they're really open to change. Um, I think it will take them, you know, some additions down the road. I mean, it's a little bit at a time, right? You can only get a little bit at a time. But I think it's this industry as a whole. I think we need to get away from thinking that learning a bunch of big words makes you a professional. That is not what makes you a professional. What makes you a professional is knowing what's in your lane and staying in your lane, right? I, I don't need you to diagnose someone's skin cancer. I need you to say to someone, something doesn't look right. Let me take a picture of it and show it to you so you can make a decision and you can go to the doctor, right? I don't, I don't need you to, like I said, memorize all these terms. It's, it's a waste, a colossal waste of your time that cannot possibly be retained. And so that's really been my mission is getting in there with the textbooks and the curriculum and saying, let's get rid of this stuff that isn't really making a difference. So I enjoy writing, writing for Pivot Point. I actually was re- finishing up the very first project um, in February. So it was my first project with them and we were finishing it up in February. So I'll see what happens after after this is all over. So yeah, so it, it, write, writing for a textbook is really a challenge because I, I like to write in a manner that doesn't really suit technical writing. So it's, it's hard for me. We've addressed sort of therapy insofar as your husband and uh, a little bit of the upset and frankly trauma that a lot of salon pros have gone through in this past year. Um, I mean, the joke is that salon pros, nail techs, everybody in the space are therapists to an extent, right? Like their clients are venting, sharing so much, um, but who helps the the, the therapist? Right, right, right. Um, So like in your experience right now, I mean, working with um, the teams that you're on and, and sort of helping uh, to chat with folks and different boards, et cetera. How can salon pros help themselves? Uh, how can they look after their mental health uh, given all of yeah, the stress that they're experiencing right now? So that's a really, I think that's a really profound question in terms of, you know, we all thought this might be shorter lived than it is, right? So mm-hmm. we all like geared up and we were all like, right. oh, we're going to stay in our COVID house together in our little pod and it's going to be fun and we're going to you know, Mori Kondo, our houses, or we're going to do all these things. Mm -hmm. And then one day went on and a month went on and six months went on. And then we added an election that went on and on and on. 
And yep. it just, it just took everything out of all of us. And I think that the most important things, look, you guys are expected to listen to, you know, for example, uh, during COVID, we um, launched an education program on domestic violence during domestic mm-hmm. violence month. A lot of states require that other licensees, but otherwise it's just good information. And one yep. of the things we do know is that domestic violence cases did have gone up, you know, an incredible amount. Um, we don't have the same distractions we used to have. And so problems seem to have a spotlight on them right now. And mm-hmm. uh, people are uh, job insecure, they're food insecure, they're, uh, you know, everything feels like it's on shaky ground. So I think the, the, the things that I, I practice and that I tell everybody else to practice is good self-care, right? You know, really trying to eat food, if you can afford it, that, you know, makes your body be less of a worry. And now I don't have to worry about my body. Now I can focus on what's going on in my mind, some mindfulness, taking a few minutes every day where even if it's in the shower, where you just like stop for a second, kind of clear your mind, shut it off. And, you know, just like let the water run on your back, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, know that you can worry about your bills all, you know, the other 23 hours of the day, my yep. husband would tell you with his uh, people that he tells them set one hour a day that you're going to worry. It's your worry hour. You pick one hour a day and I'm going to sit and worry about everything. And I'm going to write it all down. I'm going to write down everything I'm worried about. And then I'm going to walk away until the next day. And maybe by the time I come back, I can cross a few things off and add a few things on. But I, I think it's all those things we already know. It's finding people who can hear you and listen to you, um, your concerns, and, and developing that group of support and obviously reaching out if you need it. I mean, I think a lot of people are feeling far more desperate than we think. And there are a lot of resources, regardless of your financial situation, regardless of, you know, sometimes you're calling somebody on the other side of the country to talk. And if that is what it takes, that is what it takes. So I, I do yep. think we're, we're all in this together, but you know, people say we're all in the same boat. We're not all in the same boat. We might all be in the same ocean, but we're all in different boats, you know? <laughs> Some people don't have to worry about their jobs, right? Some people are in a position where they had they had positioned themselves financially that, you know, having to shut down isn't a big deal. Yep. But that's Others. not that's not the common thread, right? So, and here's the other thing I would just say: just be honest with other people. Sometimes I watch like a Dr. Phil show and I think, oh, how can these people like just say this out in public? But then there's something kind of cathartic about it, right? Like. Right. Just saying it, just saying it to somebody else, like, I feel really scared about this thing, or I feel really worried about my job, or I feel like worried that I'm not going to have a place to live next month. Something about saying that just makes you feel better, but then you actually can start working on it. So I think there's a lot of things you can do. Please just don't, don't spend all your time on the internet. Don't spend all your time gaming. All of those things, while they feel like distractions, you know, I read, speaking of our articles, one of the big studies I read recently was on um, marijuana use. And they mm-hmm. said a lot of people use it and to reduce their stress, to reduce anxiety. And initially it does that. But mm-hmm. over time, the marijuana itself can, in some people, create anxiety and stomach mm-hmm. problems, the things they're trying to make it, you know, use it to get rid of. Yep. So it's like that about everything else. If, you know, gaming is your way to get away when you do it too much. It, it becomes, you know, it starts owning you. So just find, you know, ways to break apart your day and do things that are good for you. 
So you had touched a little bit on domestic violence. Um, yeah. Domestic violence, unfortunately, is something that a lot of salon pros have to deal with pre-COVID. Um, and as we've talked about, COVID, you know, is hopefully going to be going away with proper measures in place. Yeah. Um, but domestic violence, unfortunately, doesn't seem like it's going to be going I away know. the same sort of, yeah. Uh, so what are things that salon pros can sort of be mindful of, look out for? I mean, I know you've talked about this quite a lot. Um, yeah. I'd love to just talk about that for a little bit um, because it is such an important topic. So, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do moving forward in January is to start thinking of all these kinds of topics. Like we're in January going to do a whole, a whole series on prostate health right? For men. We have a lot of yep. men who come to our site. And mm -hmm. if you're a barber and somebody is sitting in your chair and they're saying, I can't sleep at night because I have to go to the bathroom 10 times. Oh, I heard that. They probably yep. should go to the doctor. I should probably encourage them to go to the doctor because that's a sign that they may have a problem with their prostate, right? So it's the same way we talk about domestic violence. There are certain things that people say. It's not so much that you can always see it. Obviously, right. if you can see something, um, even if you see something, if someone's not open to talking about it, they're, they're not going to be open to talking about it, but there are certain things people say certain, you know, ways that they communicate with you that can make you sort of question, is there something going on here? And the, the video and quiz that we did, um, on our website, they do it so eloquently. They have a lovely video and they provide you all these great resources. It was, um, actually done by the YWCA of Nashville, um, mm -hmm. because the state of Tennessee is going to start requiring their licensees to have domestic violence training. Not that you're required to, you know, not your required reporter, like a school teacher would be, for example, mm -hmm. but just so you have the resources to know when somebody, um, you know, common things are moving around a lot or, you know, um, having, you know, their phone number changed quite a bit. And there was interesting things we talked about. I interviewed, um, the woman who, started the project in uh, on, on domestic violence. And mm -hmm. we even talked about the thing on the website about the calling for pizza. I don't know if I, it was a new thing to me that you can call the police department and say, I need to order a pizza. And they ask you for your phone number and your address, just like the pizza place would. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's supposed to be like an indicator of I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm dating something dangerous is going on here, you know, in my home. I was like, well, that's brilliant. You know, little things like that. But to your point, domestic violence, I, I think it's, um, I think people that may have been able to keep it at bay previously by being distracted. I go to the mm -hmm. bar with my friends or I go yep. and watch a sporting event or I even go to the gym and work it out. They don't have mm -hmm. those things anymore. They may not have the Correct. gym open. They may not have the football game to watch or the bar to go to. And I mean, men or women, you know, they just mm -hmm. don't have those outlets. And so they can't, it's harder to walk away because there's nowhere to walk away to, right? Exactly. So I think- we may have a, a, a really unfortunate, you know, uptick in both um, domestic violence to, for adults and also um, with children. You know, child abuse may be something that we see. Um, it's obviously it's going on. It's just the kids aren't going to school. So no one's seeing it. Right. That's mm -hmm. the most likely reporter of child abuse. So you guys hear about that stuff in salons and, uh, you know, just watching even the video that we have on our website about mm -hmm. What which we will link to notice. Yeah, you really should. Yep. Um, the woman who, um, Suzanne post who, mm -hmm. um, reached out to me about doing it. She's actually a survivor. And she says that in her video and she talks about things that could be tips and how to help somebody get help. 
thank you so much for bringing that up. We will, of course, link out um, such an important topic to be sort of mindful of. And I, I think like as resources become available, as you're talking about in the next year, like we will be, of course, happy to share with everybody because yeah. it is such yeah. an important thing. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of the industry, part of why we started the tease was to talk about things that are actually happening, um, things that should be happening, perhaps, um, changes that we've seen, changes that remain. In your opinion, as an industry vet, I mean, we've talked now about, you know, dozen or more years of experience within this space. Where have you seen gains, um, whether it is in terms of disease control, infection control, safety, whether it is in terms of other things? What can you speak to things that you've been encouraged by? Oh, well, obviously the one I already said, which was that, you know, salons and barbershops and, you know, all the professional beauty industry did so well um, when they went back um, after the first closure that they aren't on the list in most states for a secondary closure. So to me, that really speaks that well for that message getting out about safety and infection control. I've seen some wins in the um, connection between the I think one of the things that licensees, schools, licensees, states sometimes forget is that the well, states don't forget it, but the only reason that you have a license is because you do something that could be unsafe, right? You don't get a license because you're good. That, that nobody cares in the state whether you can do a good color job or you can cut hair well. Don't care. Just care if you do it safely. And so seeing those two things tied together more consistently, people, I mean, I've been literally beating the drum like please people, you know, I, I don't need someone to go to school for 2000 hours because look, you can be safe in far fewer hours than that. And you can make a choice to go learn techniques, right? But you have to be safe. And that's why you have a license. So I, I feel like there's some, we're making some strides in the deregulation argument. Um, I think what will end up happening ultimately is we'll see, we may see the hours, um, sort of come down a little bit from where they've sort of been 1500 has always been the sort of standard and we have all these people out of work that need a job they need an educate they need a career path that can put food mm -hmm. on their table the beauty industry can offer them that right but not if it costs them thirty thousand dollars in two years of their life they, they, mm -hmm. they don't have that time they don't have that luxury so i think we may see some of that um where we go to more of an approach that you have to be safe but you choose to be good, right? And I think the analogy I always use is um, the restaurant industry. You don't have to be you don't have to be licensed to be a chef, right? But there's three year waiting list to get into chef school, and people mm -hmm. are paying thirty thousand dollars to become chefs because I know I'm good, but I really want to be the best, so I make that decision. And I think that we'll see some of that. Um, I think that encourages me that we're starting to better draw that connection between safety and your license. Um, and that being the crux of why we do that. So I think the deregulation ar argument, we're going to see tons of bills. My, my guess is that we will see hundreds of deregulation bills um, next year. Um, mm -hmm. Presidential election years are typically years where we don't, and the midterm elections, we don't typically see a lot of bills introduced because the people that have to implement them sometimes are are appointed people and they may be unappointed depending on who wins. Um, so we typically are kind of quiet in those years and COVID has certainly put, you know, a wet blanket on that as well. But I think that we will see a lot of bills um, the first part of the year. I also, this is just a speculation and maybe yeah. right or wrong. I don't actually know, but I think depending who Biden, um, 
who he selects for his uh, secretary of education mm -hmm. will have a lot of impact on this industry because Title IV funding, gainful employment, all of those things were on the back burner for the last four years. That conversation about um, a relationship between you graduating and you being able to, you know, actually even pay back your loan and still live, that conversation kind of went on the back burner. So it'll be interesting mm -hmm. to see how this new administration handles that and what that changes in the professional beauty industry. Uh, intrigued by sort of your insights there. Uh, yeah. Curious to see, I, I hadn't really considered the, the Betsy DeVos of it all, her exit in this regard, um, what that could mean, yeah. but yeah, that's fascinating. Well, it's just, you know, if, if, if the federal government starts to say, look, we'll give you Title IV funding, we'll give you some mm -hmm. federal funds, but we're not going to give it for, you know, a gargantuan number of hours. We're only going to give it for this set number of hours. What I think we'll see is that we may see states start moving towards that hour, you know, so. What we're going to do now is our favorite segment, which is quick takes. Uh, we ask the same questions of every single one of our guests each time. We got a lot of fun with this. Um, okay. So the first up for you, Leslie, a product that you're loving right now, and it can't be one of your own. Oh, products that I'm loving right now. Well, I'm loving hand moisturizer because Fair. I'm washing my hands so much. So um, I'm loving, actually, uh, I went out to an Aveda school and they gave me, um, I can't, it smells like roses. I don't actually know what it is. It's in a pink tube. Loving that because I'm washing my hands a lot. Okay. Makes perfect sense. We love to hear it. Um, not that your hands are chapped, but that you are washing your hands to the extent that you I already need. was, but yeah. even more. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, what are you streaming, whether it's music, whether it's TV, whether it's movies, lay it on us? Well, my I just finished binging The Queen's Gambit this weekend on Netflix. Um, I also, just so you know a little bit more about my personality, um, mm -hmm. have binged Shameless, <laughs> which is a pretty shameful show, but I've binged that, um, and the show Good Girls. So I'm I'm more of that kind of a streaming person. Okay. Um, that is quite a variety. We like it. We like that a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, in terms of advice, uh, we have a lot of listeners who are interested in hearing from people like yourself uh, who are industry vets, uh, want to know how to get to the top of the salon professional space. Yep. Um, what are some quick words of advice that you might have for somebody that's just getting started? My quick word of advice is think ahead, but not too far ahead and slow down. Like, slow down and be thoughtful about your approach and know that not everybody can hear you all of the time, um, but it's only important if the right people can hear you some of the time, right? And don't give up, don't give up. If you have what it takes, do not give up. Beautiful, I'm <laughs> clapping. Uh, last question, 2020 has been a mess. It's yes. been established, yes. we've got that. 2021. What are you looking forward to? Well, first off, I'm looking forward to not being 2020. I am looking forward to, um, I know this sounds crazy, but I'm looking forward to a vaccine program that is safe and effective and that um, the majority of our um, population will be, will not have fear and will get, because you can have a vaccine, but if you don't get immunized, it doesn't actually matter, right? So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, um, also a year from now, perhaps being able to say, look, you know, vaccines work. I, and it's, mm -hmm. it's an argument I've been having for a long time. You know, there, there, there have been, uh, 
anti-vaxxers that I've argued with multiple times. I've kind of given up that argument, but I'm hopeful that this vaccine can show people the power of science. So absolutely. Also very much looking forward to that. We are not anti-vaxxers here. We are pro safe <laughs> vaccines. Well, if you were, uh, we are... I would just argue with you. That's all there is to it. If you were, I would just And argue. we would have welcomed that, but yeah. And I would we win. Are... I'm just telling you, I would win that argument. I always tell people when they start asking me that question when I'm speaking, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to tell you, you can ask my husband. I do not start an argument. I cannot win. If I can't okay. win, I don't, even, I don't even go there. So let's go. <laughs> Wow. Well, on that note, Leslie, it has been an absolute pleasure. I feel like we've covered so much ground, learned so much, including not to mess with you. Point well taken. Um, We are going to wrap things things up. We will send out some links in the show notes to indicate where people should go to access some of the resources that you've mentioned. But where can people go to find out more about you, Bluco, Barbicide, lay it on us? Super simple, barbicide.com, B-A-R-B-I-C-I-D-E.com. It's all there. Love it. So, in fact, you can leave a question there for me. And we're starting, we started a column called Ask Leslie. So if you got a question, I'll answer it. About anything, probably. Careful. Yeah. <laughs> you might regret that. Uh, okay. Well, thank you so much, Leslie, for joining us today. It was, again, honestly, an absolute pleasure. It was such me. a fun time. Yeah. Thank you so much. And that was our interview with Leslie Rosti of Blue Co Brands at Barbicide. She's got so much experience. I feel like I could have talked to her for hours. Uh, nobody could have predicted that we wind up where we are. But honestly, good on Blue Co for being so forward thinking about picking her up, hiring her, bringing her on board, uh, and allowing her uh, and others to make space for science to take safety and infection control seriously. And the education that she's referred to, the resources, I mean, they're actually useful. And that's not always the case for for folks. The sad thing is that we connected before some of the shutdowns. And so when this podcast airs, many California salons are temporarily closed. And that's the same for some zones that they're referring to in New York State, uh, which is a bummer, obviously. Uh, We want people to be able to get to work and do it so safely. We're really, really grateful for Leslie's time, and we want to make sure to include some of the links that she mentioned in our show notes. So check them out. You can link out and see some of the stuff that she's been referring to. Uh, And we'll follow up with future episodes on some of the items that she's mentioned for 2021 that are yet to come. Uh, Again, so excited about that interview. So much to cover. Uh, Could be five more episodes in the future. So be sure to hit subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to volumeup at thetease.com. I think we covered that one a couple of times. So I think so. If you're not pretty passionate about like, that, yeah, what are you what are you find doing? you? Yeah, no. <laughs> Please send us emails. Why not? We might even read them here. Ooh, uh, yeah. mm, sure. Why not? Right. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Stephen Jotterand. Thank you to our creative team, Kay Reynolds and Haley Hefner, for putting together the graphics for this episode, and to Josh Landowski for editing so that you can watch and listen on YouTube. 